Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to today's Irish News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Robert Price, Digital Infrastructure Practice Director for Logicalis. How are you doing, Robert? Very well, Ronan. Thank you. And yourself? I'm doing very well, thanks, on this lovely day, which is strange for us having a nice day with no rain. I have to say, it's been the same over here. We've had a quite nice week. The sun, well, actually, I, I say the sun is out, but I'm looking over my shoulder and it's got cloudy all of a sudden, but the sun's been out for most of the day, so yeah. fingers crossed it will come back later. Well, over here, over here, it's cloudy and about 19 degrees, 16 degrees, so it's not too bad. No sun, but as long as no rain, I'm happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Go along with that. So, before I start, tell us a bit about your background so we know who you are, Robert. Well, you can probably tell from the grey hair, if, you, if you're looking at this on video, that I've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, I've been in the industry for you know over 30 years. Um, I joined Logicalis uh, in February last year, so yeah. I'm a relatively newbie uh, at Logicalis, running the, as you said, digital infrastructure practice. Prior to that, I was almost 21 years at Cisco. Yeah. I spent 21 years at Cisco in a variety of different technical leadership roles. Uh, the last eight years at Cisco, I was the, the partner CTO, yeah. uh, so Chief Technology Officer for Cisco's partner organization, uh, which meant that I worked with a lot of Cisco's partners, including Logicalis. Yeah, so hence, that's how you got the, uh, the leap from one to the other. It is, yeah. yeah. Or at least that's part of the story. Yeah. So tell us about what Logicalis actually does. So Logicalis is a, is a global organization, you know, we are, we're a, you know, over a you know, $1.7 billion organization. We're present in, I think it's 27 countries. Um, we effectively are a provider of IT solutions and services um, and, uh, you know, and obviously working with, you know, various different vendors. Yeah. So that must be, uh, that must be challenging to, to have all these clients and offices worldwide. Well, not necessarily all of our clients are. I mean, we have local clients that are local to the UK. I mean, one of the things that Logicalis is very well known for in the UK, for example, is we've got a really, really strong footprint in higher education. So most higher education universities have a, a large main campus. They may have some remote sites and a lot of universities now are doing this actually where they've got remote sites in other locations yeah. but the vast majority of the work that we do with them will be on one very very big site now of course we have other clients as well that are global in nature and yes that represents yeah. some interesting challenges sometimes and also i guess that uh, and i guess also that will could have uh, but i got something to get the pandemic but getting back to this tell us more about your logicality intelligent connectivity solution so, okay, well, I mean, look, you know, intelligent connectivity is one of our global go-to-market solutions. We have a number of go-to-markets that have been generated at a group level yeah. because we are, you know, what we don't want to be is 27 loosely federated individual businesses. We want to be a global business. We are a global business. And if we're going to be a global business, we need to be able to deliver global solutions. And there are a number of those and intelligent connectivity is the very latest of those that we've just uh, that we've just introduced and it is essentially a um, uh, if you're familiar with SD-WAN software-defined WAN yeah. solution um, 
So basically, there are a number of elements to that. There's the SD WAN fabric component, the physical, you know, the, the network piece. Yeah. There's there's the security piece that overlays on top of that, and that breaks down into a couple of areas. And then, of course, it's important how you actually physically go about delivering that. The delivery of that is is you know via managed services, which again, the trend in the industry for the last you know, probably at least five years, perhaps even a little bit longer, has been towards different consumption models. Customers now want to consume their technology as a service. They want to, you know, consume it in a recurring revenue fashion yeah. rather than the old model, which is, you know, sell me a, a box and I'll give you some money and then I, I may not see you again for another five years. Interesting. And uh, does it use AI technology as well or machine learning? Well, so that's, that, that's a very interesting question today in a limited way, but only in a limited way. Um, I think AI is becoming more and more prevalent in the industry and yeah. it's starting to become more valuable. AI ops is a term that's starting to be used, which yeah. is very interesting. So, you know, if I, if I take a little step back from that to answer this question, um, a key component of intelligent connectivity is that, as I say, it's an SD-WAN, software-defined yeah. WAN solution. Software-defined as a technology family, and that's not just SD-WAN, yeah. that's SD-WAN, it's you know, software-defined access in the, in the, uh, in the the LAN or the campus or the branch. It's also uh, SD technologies in the data center. One of the things with those technologies is that they are, whilst they are actually horribly complex technologies in terms of the design and implementation of them, one of the paybacks to that is that you end up with a network that is operationally much, much simpler to administer. Yeah. And one of the key benefits, you know, one of the key um, kind of uh, benefits that Logicalis wants to bring to our customers is agility. We yeah. want your, your infrastructure, you know, your network, your data center, your cloud service, your security solution to be agile. We want it to be simple to operate because complexity, you know, basically adds cost and, and you know, and obviously, yeah. um, you know, it, it's not a good thing. So um, one of the things that Software Defined does is pro provides reduced operational complexity. Yeah. So if I want to make a, a move or a change or an add to the network, in the old world, I probably would have had to have gone to maybe dozens or hundreds of individual network devices and manually change the configuration to get what I wanted. Now, with a software-defined solution, I can go to a controller, select maybe an application that I want to do something with, select what I want to do with it. Do I want to change its security policy or its quality of service? select the policy that I want to apply and then hit implement. And then the, the software-defined fabric takes care of all of the underlying complexity yeah. of physically configuring the devices. To come back to your question, where AIOps is going to become increasingly important is, in the future, you won't even need to do that process of going to the controller because the AIOps engine will do it for you. So the AIOps engine will be more constantly monitoring the network environment or the data center environment or the cloud or whatever it is, and it will spot when there is a, you know, maybe there's a trend or there's a, you know, a bandwidth issue or there's a latency issue, and it will automatically take the action to actually remedy that. Now, you could have done that with AIOps in the old world and, you know, created scripts so you go and manually change devices, you know, configuration yeah. individually, but software-defined actually makes that so, so much simpler. Well, to me, I'm thinking, like, when you said it before, you got clients who are in education, during the summer months, they're going to be doing a lot less work than they are in the winter. So the AI will, will know, during these certain months of the year, we're not going to be doing this, X, Y, and Z, but come September, October, X, Y, and Z kicks back in again. It's, there's two sides to that. It's really interesting. You're right. With HE clients, what tends to happen is, and, you know, I was, I was having a conversation about one of our HE customers yesterday. Um, all of the students, pretty much, they have gone home. Yeah. So the universities, the campuses are relatively empty. 
You're right, though. Come September, October, thousands of students are going to flood back into universities. Funnily enough, my daughter is one of those. She's yeah. at university at the moment. She goes back to university in September. So obviously, the university IT team have then got to make sure that they've got you know the services that they provide to those students. Yeah. And by the way, that's increasingly important. You know, students now are looking at universities, going, "Okay, well, what IT services have you got? You know, am I going to be able to bring my my you know my iPhone and my you know my you know my pad and my PlayStation and my Kindle and yeah. my Smart TV, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, what's interesting, of course, is in the summer months when the students have all gone home. What the university IT teams now do, of course, is roll up the sleeves and go, right, now is our time when we can actually do stuff. We can build a new network, or we can upgrade the, the Wi-Fi infrastructure, or we can implement that new security solution because they can do it in relative safety, safety because yeah. the students aren't there. And also they can actually do tests on new things and make sure it's working. Exactly so, right. Because the thing for me is, if you're doing this during, like when I was in college and we, we were doing things, I remember that they say for certain times of the day, oh, yeah, something not working because we're doing upgrades to the system. Now, ideally, that kind of thing would normally, you should be doing it during summer months, if, if possible, the, the big job. Now, during the year, if you're if you're updating an OS and you this one runs part of your circuit, that's going to be different, but... The main big job should be done during the summer. You realize every every summer we're going to do this and that and updates and everything else. And during the year, the yep. amount of updates you have to bring in. But the worst thing is you yep. don't have to do all that when you've got thousands of people, whatever it is, in the campus at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, of course not. Because yeah. it's risky. You know, and, and actually, what you've just described is symptomatic, not just of higher education at all. It's symptomatic now of every single one of our customers the reliance on digital as a mechanism to, to you know, to, to be operationally efficient or to provide workforce optimization, whatever it happens to be, is so big now. And actually, funnily enough, COVID has made that reliance on IT uh, even bigger. Yeah. I, I, I had a conversation a while ago with someone. Can you imagine what would have happened if COVID had have hit maybe in 1980? Yeah. No one, no one had broadband. In fact, no one had the internet. The internet barely existed, if at all, yeah. back then. The reality is, yes, okay, COVID has been a global disaster. No one would dispute that. But we've actually, a lot of people have managed to continue to work. A lot of companies have continued to exist because digital technologies allowed them to say, right, well, look, you know, we've got 2,000 staff or 5,000 staff that we've had to send home, but we can still, they can still be productive. Yeah. They can still be useful. I remember, and this is an interesting story from um, when I was still at Cisco, which was obviously, uh, you know, during the pandemic, the end, you know, I, I, I left Cisco a year into the pandemic. Um, and I was talking to one of the other partners, I'm not going to name them yeah. for obvious reasons, who had a customer. And that customer was very, very, let's be, let's be kind to them and say yeah. they were traditional. Yeah. Okay. That, and that customer had a view that work was somewhere you went. They yeah. wanted their people in the office nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the evening, five days a week. And they weren't interested in flexible remote working, etc., etc. All of a sudden, COVID hits and they had 2,000 staff that they had to send home, literally almost overnight. Yeah. So they went to this partner, they worked with the partner and with Cisco, and they stood up a remote access solution really, really fast in a number, like a couple of days. Stood up a remote access solution, had 2,000 people all of a sudden working at home who were still able to log in, get access to their systems and their applications and their data. Here's the interesting part. A month later, the customer called the the, the partner and said we had no idea how effective this could be yeah. our staff are working they're productive we're, they're happy even when the pandemic is over 
we will not go back to the way things were. We will continue to operate a flexible mobile working policy. Yeah, I've seen companies where they've, people have told me that when they're working with their boss, they asked, could they do remote working in the past? And the boss said, no, it can't be done. Within three days of pandemic hitting, it was done and it worked fine. It's done, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not, it can't be done. It wasn't, it can't be done. It was, they didn't want to do it. Yeah. Again, there's this quite old school mentality of if people are at home, they're not going to be working. They're going to be sitting and watching daytime TV yeah. or, you know, doing their, doing their washing or whatever it is that they're doing. The reality is, completely the opposite you know most of the studies that i've seen or read indicate that when you give people the ability to work flexibly actually the biggest issue is getting them to stop yeah you know i'm often i work at home quite a lot not all the time i don't i'm in the office sometimes i'm with customers sometimes but when i'm at home you know i can sometimes be sitting here at six or seven o'clock in the evening still beavering away and not even noticing that it's six or seven o'clock in the evening well, to me, it can't be done. It's just an excuse because they don't say they don't say they don't to do with this. It can't be done. That's what they say. Whenever you ask somebody, can you do this? It can't be done. And even though no, it can be, they don't want to do it. And then if they figured they have to go and probably relearn how to use new technologies. Like I've been working companies in the past where my boss would he told you using a certain software system. When they bring out a new version of it, he wouldn't use it because wouldn't use it. He's used to what he's used to. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sitting there going. So you'd rather use an eight-year-old version of Outlook than use yeah. a more modern version, just because that's what you used to. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. "No, I said you got to, you got to learn to uh, move your times." Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, people are creatures of habit, right? You know, yeah. but, you know, people will, people don't like change. Yeah? yeah. But sometimes, when change is forced upon you, and COVID again did that, I think, I think my and this is purely my own yeah. estimate. I haven't read this or you know seen yeah. it anywhere else. I think what COVID did was took ten years or so probably yeah. of flexible mo- the evolution of flexible mobile working and squeezed it into 12 months yeah because i i've done past my pocket i've been like you did a bit about the time scale if COVID was 20 was 30 40 years ago it would have caused havoc that would have well, i mean it has caused havoc, yeah, I know, it I mean, it 10, worse. Times, 10 times worse yeah. it would have been disastrous because no one would have been literally you'd have sent everyone home yeah. and closed down you know the world would have closed down Whereas, yes, we've sent you know millions of people home, but a lot of those people have been able to continue working. And it's our industry, it's the IT industry and digitization that's allowed that to happen. It's the internet that has allowed yeah. that to happen. Because I remember when I, about 1980, I had my first computer, VIC-20. 8K, yeah. 8K memory, call it computer, yeah. and all, everything else. Now, you can go online if, if, you, if you bought a modem and plug it in, and the modem speeds were like very, very slow, and all you get was yeah. bulletin boards. Like, like in the UK, you got pressed up and all the bulletin boards, like that kind of yeah. stuff. Not, not so much more than that. Whereas nowadays, when, you, when, when you're at home, you've got a computer that basically uh, was got, like I've got, my MacBook Pro has got 8, eight gig storage space, yep. Yep. memory. So you've got that kind of stuff. And then I've got like, I've got half a gig broadband speeds. Yep. And you're thinking back in 1980, I wasn't getting that. And also, back in 1980, everyone couldn't afford a computer. Right now, everyone's got a, got a laptop or probably got a, got a tablet or a mobile phone, which is basically... I can put it in the pocket more or less. So they've got that ability. So they were, you can always contact them with Slack or email or anything else via, via their mobile device. So I, it's interesting. So firstly, you, you and I kindred spirits, I had a VIC-20. Yeah. I had a Commodore VIC-20 when I was probably 14 years old. That's a long time ago. Yeah. No laughing from the ladies, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, it had, you know, as you say, 8K of RAM. Yeah. yeah? Well, look at this. I mean, I hope you can see this. Yeah. That's a micro SD card, right? That's yeah. the size of my thumbnail. Yeah. It's got 64 gig of yeah. memory. 
right? That's how far we've come in, you know, all right, 20, 30 years. But, you know, it's just the advances are incredible. And the, the, what digitization allows us to do as an enabler, you know, it's just, I mean, it's limitless. What's scary? Well, we got the computer. I then moved for a while to Egypt. When we were there, one of my dad's colleagues brought out my dad, uh, bought for him, got for him a 32K expansion pack. He ran me, put him back, give him more memory. I remember having that. And I was going, wow, I've now got, I've now got 32K extra memory. Well, what can that do? Yeah. And then yeah. about six years later, we were looking to replace it because it was getting on, on, on a bit. So my dad goes, yeah, we're going to look at, might get another combo. We're looking at Commodore Amiga. And we looked at the Commodore Amiga at like half a, half a meg memory. Everything else. But I also had the bookie part pack that you got with the, when you got the VIC-20. It was still there. And my dad yeah. goes, don't want that. So we then got an Atari ST, which had one meg of memory. And it was the first computer with one meg of memory. It also had a built-in MIDI port as well. And no yep. bulky power pack. So we got that yep. inside. It was basically... And the OS in it was basically... It was called Tramon OS TOS. But they called it Jackintosh. Because the more just copied or aped what the Mac did. Except it was color. Mac or black. Yeah. So we got the Mac too. We got that in the end. So I can remember thinking, wow, let's get one meg of memory. This is brilliant. And now I'm, I'm looking at my latest smartphone, 128 gig of memory. Yeah. I got uh, eight, eight, 8 gig RAM on, on my current computer. I'm thinking, how oh, things change. And every so often, like Moore's Law, 18 months, things things uh, double up and what they can do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking back that 20 years ago, if you had a pandemic, we wouldn't have been able to cope because we were, we we're not all on Bravo. So we're, we're still on dial-up. And not everyone had a computer in the house. And smartphones... They were there, but they were more like Blackberries. They weren't great. Yeah, true enough. But true enough. And and like, the technology now is, you know, is just incredibly, incredibly capable. Um, you know, as you say, a contemporary smartphone has got much, much more compute power yeah. than it took to send man to the moon in the yeah. 1960s. It's just ridiculous how thing. And, and it's and we're not done yet. You know, no. things will come in. We've got, we've got, as you say, AI is coming along. AI ops is coming yeah. along. Quantum is coming along. Quantum computing is going to fundamentally change our industry if for no other reason than currently relatively unbreakable cybersecurity, you know, ciphers, you know, uh, encryption mechanisms, uh, a quantum computer will break them in seconds. Yeah. So we're then going to have to figure out new ways to, you know, safeguard our data and protect it from the bad guys. So, yeah, look, the pace of change is, is frighteningly fast. And uh, also, when you come to Web 3.0 and like Metaverse, we're going to have other things to do as well, which, which in my view is no bad thing. The technology is moving along. You're going to have a lot like saying, like people before said you can't remote work. People are going to say, oh, technology, or you can't do this, you can't use that. They're going to realize that we have to do it. It's the future. Yeah. And if you, if, if, you don't get bored, if, if you don't get on board on the bus, then that's fine. Stay where you well, are. I agree completely. I think, and I think there are a few, what I call mega trends, yeah. that are really important at the um, and we've mentioned a couple of them. You know, flexible remote working. Work isn't somewhere you go. Yeah. Work is something you do. Yeah. And you should be able to do it wherever you are. Okay? Interestingly, that kind of plays back into the whole intelligent connectivity uh, solution that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Because fundamentally, that's an SD-WAN fabric using any sort of underlay technology, but probably using the internet as part of that underlay. So the internet becomes part of your network. So therefore, if you've got a software-defined WAN fabric, you can connect your sites together. You can yeah. connect your remote users to it. You can connect your cloud services, your software as a service platforms. That might be Salesforce.com yeah. or Office 365 or Workday. All can connect to that single fabric. Yeah? So flexible mobile working is absolutely a mega trip. 
cybersecurity is a mega trend. It's, you know, it's never a week goes by without yet another high-profile cyber attack, either on the news or in the newspapers, etc., yeah. etc. Et it is, it's that's the world we live in, and. Basically, cybersecurity now is an arms race between the bad guys who want to get access to your data or, you know, or do a denial of service attack or whatever it is they're trying to do. And the good guys, you know, the vendors and the organizations like ourselves, who want to protect our customers from that. So cybersecurity is a huge trend. I think IoT, the Internet of Things, is a huge trend. We are now connecting more and more unconnected things. You know, it's not about connecting up smartphones and laptops anymore. It's about connecting up coffee machines and BMWs. Yeah, and to me as well, also looking back now, like 20 years ago when we were talking about Connect Gifty, everyone's more or less using, they're probably at the office system might have been based on a Unix-based system if you're a big mainframe. And then you've got basically other stuff based on Windows. Like Windows, yep. Windows NT or whatever, Windows 2000, whatever it was. Nowadays, you've got the ability to actually log in with, a, with an uh, iOS or with Android or you can log in with uh, Windows, Linux, or or, uh, or Mac OS, and that works fine. 20 years ago, that was an option. Nowadays, you've got more OS available, but the fact is, we're so used to that now, we, we can prepare ourselves for that. Any software that, uh, stuff that you're, you're actually uh, showcasing will work with different OSs, which is great. Yeah. Well, and again, what you've now what you've now done is illustrated, of course, one of the perhaps the biggest mega trend, which is cloud. Yeah. So when all of your applications and your data live in the cloud, you should be able to access those applications and that data from wherever you are. Yeah. Via whatever device happens to be, you know, happens to be appropriate. So I personally, I'm sitting here talking to you today, and I'm on, an, on a Windows-based laptop. Yeah. Okay. However, in the background, here's my smartphone, and that's that's a, an Apple device. Yeah. So it's an iOS device, right? So I, I don't have a Unix device here, but if I did, I would be able to use it. So again, it's about being able to access your applications and your data from wherever you are via whatever device happens to be convenient, yeah. and it might be yours or somebody else's, via whatever access network is, is available. And again, technologies like, I mean, obviously 4G is pretty prevalent now. 5G is starting to be, service provider 5G is starting to become yeah. pretty prevalent. That moves the game on massively. Service provider 5G means that you will have un- almost unlimited access to your applications yeah. and data. Your quality of experience will be no different than if you were sitting at a desk in an office on a you know on a massive high capacity you know campus LAN, and you or equally sitting on a train somewhere with a 5G signal. Well, 20 or 30 years ago, if you're in an office and you're working uh, uh, linked up to a server, you're using a dumb terminal, and yeah. they're all the exact same, all the same spec. Now, any device we use is a dumb terminal. And it yep. doesn't matter what spec it is. It doesn't matter if, you, if you've got a better phone than me or a laptop than me. They still do the same thing, which is great. Exactly right. Exactly. And it is, again, it's all about flexible access to whatever I need, what data I need, what applications I need, via whatever device happens to be most convenient at that particular time. Yeah, because I remember when you got dumb terminals years ago and you were in it and it would do certain things and you could do X, Y, and Z. And everyone could do the exact same thing. But nowadays, yep. because we've all got different devices... One dumb terminal can do one thing more better than another one. But nobody really yeah. cares because as long as it does what it's meant to do, which is basically go online, able to communicate, able to do your job, that's all that counts. Yep. No, and look, broader than that, I don't think people, generally speaking, outside of the IT industry, most people don't care about IT. Yeah? No. They only care about IT when it doesn't work. Yeah. When it's working, it should be in the background. It should be invisible. Yeah. Very, I mean, I, I, I did a... Um, we did uh, the... Um, the network shop event, yeah. the higher education 
mission event last month and um, I did one of the keynote, I was part of a panel doing one of the keynote speeches and I said to the audience, I said, and this is an audience of network managers and CIOs, I said, someone put hands up the last time you received a phone call from someone saying, oh, the network's working well today. Never happens, right? Yeah. However, the minute that it's not working, the phones ring off the hook yeah. because people are so reliant on that technology and that IT and that connectivity that when it isn't available, they're screaming for it. Yeah. But when it's working, it's invisible. It's in the background. Yeah. It's like basically the cloud is everywhere, but you're, it's ubiquitous. Yeah. It's there and yeah. you don't. And I did a cloud computing course about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, and I was doing that. Doing the course, basically, the cloud, people didn't know what the cloud was getting used to it. Now it's ubiquitous. It's in your back pocket. You don't know it's there. So yeah. you could have, like, my, my parents could be using an a, a email account on their, on, on their smartphone, but it's yeah. all cloud-based, and that's it. You're using the cloud, you don't know, but it's it's there, it's there for years. But now we now it's just there. It used and and yep. whenever you're you're consuming from an app like latest news or anything that's happening, yep. or getting the weather, that's the yep. cloud that's, that's working behind the scenes. But you don't, we know that. I I remember reading an article, and it was it probably was ten years ago, um, and the and, and it said a lot of stuff. But I'm going to paraphrase yeah. it, but it said that in in a few years' time, you will have a device in your pocket, which today we know is a smartphone. Yeah. And that device will have every song ever recorded, every film ever filmed, every book ever written yeah. will be on that device. And I sat there and thought, no, that's just not possible. You know, you'd need you'd need terabytes of memory, you yeah. know, probably petabytes of memory to do that. You're not going to have that on a little handheld device. Today, we've virtually got that. Now, okay, all those songs and books and films are not on the device, but because they're in the cloud and yeah. the device has pretty much always on access to the cloud you've virtually got i could go onto my phone now and go well i want to listen to a certain song by i don't know you know genesis or yeah. the rolling stones or i'm showing my age a little bit now right um and i, I could find it yeah. i could go and find a book by you know alistair mclean i could go and find a you know my favorite film whatever that happens to be okay it's not on the device but it's as good as on the device because it's out in the cloud and therefore it's available yeah, because 11 years ago, when you were using the cloud, it was basically track, for instance. So I wanted to listen to, like, Follow You, Follow Me by, by Genesis. I couldn't, yep. I'd have to go and stream that, and unless my Wi-Fi, or had data package with my mobile, I couldn't do that. Or yep. I wanted to go and listen to an earlier Rolling Stone song, like uh, Little Rooster, I'd have to go and do that. And now I can watch that on YouTube, being my exactly. and see that. And I can see the first video of Follow You, Follow Me of Genesis yep. on, on YouTube now, and I, I don't yep. have to worry about buffering or anything else. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it's IT as an industry has made that possible. Yeah. And that's me, because earlier when you mentioned briefly about about, uh, about the pandemic, what it's done is the pandemic, in a sense, has, has made us more reliant on technology in a good way. It's more than shown us that we don't have to worry because the technology will help us get through this, because we can work anywhere. It's like Martini, in time and place anywhere. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's Completely. what I always think of it as that. Yeah. And also, getting back to... Uh, about as as we embrace remote working and hybrid working, what role can Logicalis play in this? There's a couple of things really. The first is, I mean, Logicalis as a business, just ourselves, are fully embracing remote working. I work from home whenever I want to, whenever I need to, yeah. and I'm just as productive. And I've got access sitting here at home to everything that I've got access to if I'm sitting in the office. Yeah. Right? That's the, again, that's that sort of the importance of that connectivity piece. So we've, we've embraced it ourselves. And I always think that if you're going to go out and tell a customer you should be doing this, 
it's got Cisco used to call it eating your own dog food. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to go and tell a customer that they should be doing something, if you're doing it yourself, that's a much much more powerful argument than telling someone, well, we think you should be doing this. And if they go, well, are you doing it? Uh, well, actually, no, we're not. So we we're doing it ourselves. But actually, from a customer point of view, we you know we are able now to support our customers with solutions that will allow them to exactly what I've been talking about, yeah. exactly what I said earlier, allow people to connect to their data and their applications, whether it be, so there's home working, you know, someone sitting at home with a broadband connection, but there's also fully flexible mobile working. What if I'm a nomadic worker? What if I'm a salesperson who's out and out and about? I should be able to get the same consistency of experience when I'm accessing my data, my applications, my online collaboration tools, whether that be, you know, Microsoft Teams or Cisco WebEx or Zoom, et cetera, et cetera, regardless of where I am. And Logicalis can provide solutions. Intelligent connectivity that we spoke about earlier is absolutely one of those to provide that consistent quality of experience, which is what users expect. Yeah, five years ago, I did a podcast with a guy who basically is Austrian, and what he did was he provides help desks for companies, and he helps them with right. their IT solutions. And he said, sometimes I could be traveling around the world in, in my Land Rover. I could be in Argentina. And I got a satellite dish that I can use to communicate with my clients. Yeah. And so at the time right now, I'm I'm in this mini castle in Croatia, top of a hill, talking to you in a podcast. But I can also be talking to a client of mine doing that. And it doesn't matter where I am, I can work remote when the world because technology has to do that. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is great. And I thought, I wonder if, if one day that will be reality in the world. And then three years later, pandemic hits, and we're all doing that. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, and he yeah. show window what he did. He had his Land Rover, just defender, de- de- kitted out with a satellite dish and everything else. So he could travel around the world. He said, I was in, I was, uh, I was in Argentina. I was going out with gauchos. I was doing things. But I could also contact my clients. I had a client in Las Vegas who had a big hotel and a casino, and I was helping with them with their IT and all that and help desk. But I was in Argentina, and they didn't know that. They didn't need to no. know where I was. Because no, absolutely. The technology was so good that you couldn't tell, and it, it wouldn't be an issue. I mean, years ago, if, if you're dealing with a client and you had to help them, they ask you, are you based in the office? They wouldn't know where you are because they know if you weren't where you were in the office, then how could you, how could you handle this? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, nobody cares where you are as long as you know it can be done because technology is there. Yep. Completely agree. It's math thinking about that. I mean, what you're talking about, how things have changed. And then think, what are we going to see in the next 30 years with working? Oh, it, well, look, it's scary. As I say, you know, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is going to have applications in IT, but it's also going to have applications in, you know, manufacturing, in finance, in healthcare. You know, it will it will be a, a huge, huge change. Um, quantum computing, I've already mentioned, yeah. that will be a huge change. The Internet of Things is still relatively early. You know, we've, we're connecting literally billions of new yeah. things to the networks. But... Again, I read an article, and it was a while ago now, that sort of estimated that by 2020, so a couple of years ago, there were going to be something like 50 billion things on the internet. We didn't quite make it, actually. I think we ended up with, you know, it was about 25 or 30 billion. But by the end of the 2020s, they were talking about 500 billion things connected to the internet. I think by 2030, any time you buy anything in any product, it will be a built-in IoT standard. Well, of course it will. Yeah. You know, in fact, that's almost true today. I mean, if you buy a television, it's actually, you go you go and try and buy a television today and not get a smart television. Yeah. It's really quite difficult to do. You buy a modern car today, it is connected. It will talk back to its, you yeah. know, to the 
factory if it's got a problem or if it's ready for a service you know and even down to things like you know whether it's a washing machine or a refrigerator or a coffee machine you know everything will, you know we are going to get to the point where everything will be connected well i can think if you're if you're in a house and you've got in your bathroom a holder for your toilet roll there's another one that will tell yeah. you it'll warn you we're uh, we've got half a roll left and it'll it'll beep to your to your phone you watch to let you know so when you're going to shopping yep. it, it will say oh yeah Oh, yeah, I have to get that because yeah, yeah. I haven't got that. Well, even more than that, I mean, obviously, with the way systems will start to interact more and more with one another, yeah. it will go, right, you've only got half a toilet roll left, I'll put it on your shopping list. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'll order your shopping list next week because you've told me to do that. Yeah. All you'll do is, when the shopping arrives, which will probably be by drone yeah. now, you know, it'll be an automated you know thing. Amazon are already starting to trial that in America, delivering parcels via drones, unmanned drones. It's true, no, yeah. too, as well. You can't do that without very, very, you know, consistent high-speed connectivity. So, again, that's another trend in the industry. Yeah, I think, look, you know, the, people sort of think that the pace of change is is relatively steady. It's not. It's growing. It's getting faster and faster. I'm I'm really keen to know where we are. I know where I'll be in 2030. I'll probably be retired by then. But um, where we as, a, and as an industry and where we as a planet will be in 2030 is very exciting. Yeah, I can think in about 2030 we'll have the metaverse. We'll be we'll, we'll we go to for our board meetings. Or team meetings yeah. will be in the metaverse, and we're sitting there as a hologram at home. We're all working, but we have a device we plug in, and suddenly we're all appearing in this room, talking away. Yep. And then, then we, we don't have to worry about I have to get home because uh, of something's happened. So I got to get home by a certain time. Someone's coming to do some work in the house, or whatever. You can just think you don't have to worry about that. So you can have a longer meeting, more relaxed meeting. No, you don't have to worry about traffic. I'm going to worry about anything. I'm not going to worry about booking a room for a meeting. For example, you're in a small office. Don't worry about booking a room. Don't worry is enough tea and copies or anything to go around. You don't have to worry about that. You just say your piece, do what you got to do, and then you can skedaddle. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I, look, I look forward to those days when we have a, 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 <laughs> where we can just do that. And then you can say, okay, that's fine. You can even do if you're on holiday. You can still come in and do your meeting as well. That's and, and yeah, and there's there's a good side and a bad side to that, of course. Again, I mean, I as I, as I said to you before we started this, I was on holiday for the last couple of weeks, but I was still I still had access to email. Yeah. I didn't do it all the time, but at least once a day, I was checking on my phone. Just you know, is there anything really urgent? You know, so you you're never really completely disconnected. Yeah, but if you're having a scenario where basically you have your meetings once a week and you're on holiday, you can still. Tune in because you've got the, the, the capability with the metaverse to go into the meeting for that, for that hour or so. You can do that. And then you can go away knowing your holiday. I've done, uh, that's been done. And even though I'm not there, I know other guys are taking care of, of my workload. I don't have to worry about it. And uh, any yeah, yeah. queries they brought up, I say, well, try X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And if nothing happens, let me know next week. Because obviously it's not going to be a big an issue, so I don't worry about it too much. I'm not worried yeah. about it. I'm here holiday. And also it might mean maybe your boss will say, for holidays, go away for three weeks, not two weeks. And if, if anything happens, we can still contact each other. We've got the metaverse able to contact our meetings as if yep. we're all there. And we yep. don't have to worry about it. That's to me is, is going to be a, a, a nice feature. Yep, agreed. Well, on that note, I'll say thanks for an interesting and great podcast. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you guys get up to next, Robert. And uh, have a great day. Thank you, Ronan. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyable conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook. 
facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.